right, folks, welcome to Kabbalah, Coffee, and Bagels in the Oven. This is our Je- February 9th edition, yes? Okay, well, I'm only doing that based on the fact that the Super Bowl was the second and was last Sunday. Anyway, February 9th edition of Kabbalah and Coffee, and this is our time to discuss more about authentic living. Authentic living was our topic last week. Today, we pick it up. And we continue the discussion. What does it mean to live authentically? So last week we explained that when you live authentically, you're living from your core. You're living from your essence. You're living from who you really are. And it's not like, I decided today that I'm really a painter. Or I'm really... uh, It's a little bit deeper than that. We talk about not things that you do, but things that you are. Identity. Identity, identity. That's the key word. It's living from the deepest place of your identity authentic living, and we said when a person lives from their deepest core, what happens? A few things happen. Number one, number one, everything that you do is permeated with your essence. Down, down to the very, as we said, down to your heel. Remember we said Abraham. Why is Abraham special? Because he listened to my voice. The word because is akev in the Torah. But Akiv is also related to the word Akiv, which means heel. Yaakov, the one who held on to the heel. So what is Abraham? Who was Abraham? Somebody who was so driven by God that everything that he did, down to his very heel, was permeated with his mission, with his purpose. We explained last week that when somebody, you know, you're a parent, and you are, you know, you're parenting, but you're also doing other stuff, But there are certain moments where you really say to yourself, wait a second, this is my identity, this is who I am, this is the most important thing. And then everything that you do, down to the very heel, that everything, when you say good morning to your child, when you say good night to your child, when you pick them up from school, when you read with them, whatever it is, it's infused with this tremendous sense of identity, of essential parenting. As opposed to just something that you do. Right, we said this last week? But I felt that as... And, and the other feature we said, when it comes to authentic living, is that when you're living authentically, or when you tap into that authentic place within yourself, that essential deep place, there's nothing, there's nothing and no one that can dissuade you from being who you are. Because that's who you are. In other words, no one can stand in the way of your true identity when that comes out. When you tap into that. Which is why it's not that the Greeks didn't defile the flask of oil. It's not that they somehow missed it. It's that they couldn't. Because the flask of oil represents your essence, the essence of your soul. The true you. Who you? The true you. Who you? The true you. Right? And it's that essential you, that essential flask and cruise of olive oil, which, by the way, how is olive oil produced? Through squeezing. Sometimes it takes a little bit of kvetch, of squeeze, to bring out the full you. Sometimes we don't, we don't like this, but we were talking about this last week at the end. Sometimes it takes a little tsaris, a little tsuris, a little squeezing to bring out the oil. Look, the olive on its own says... You want my oil? Not so fast. The oil stays locked in. 
takes a little squeezing to get it out. Now, can you squeeze yourself? Absolutely. But, it need, but there has to be, it's not going to come out, you're not going to coax it out. Hey, Olive, how's that oil doing? I'm thinking of a Popeye the Sailor Man reference here. I'm thinking that little shop of cars. Squeeze me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. You don't know that one? No. Man, I'm behind on my... I'm usually okay with pop culture references. Can you put like a tap, like a beer tap on that thing? That would be awesome. Can you? Seriously? I was kidding. Straight up? And you just... To an olive, it has to be really small. <laughs> like you need like a really small like faucet, tap. Okay. So that is what we explained last week. So last week we said that we have a few features. First of all, again, the, the, the topic is authentic living. When you live authentically, or what I called it in the email last week, holy holistics. Batman. Right? So when you're living authentically, you're living through and through. It's seamless. It's pure. It's coming from your essence. You're living from the inside out, not from the outside in. So the, the, what are the features? Number one, it's going to impact your entire life. When you're living with such truth and such depth, everything in your experience is going to be touched by that. That's number one. Number two, the second feature is nothing will stand in the way. And the truth is that number two is really the reason behind number one. Why is it that when you, when you tap into the truth of who you are, it will express itself in everything that you do? Why is that so? Because there's nothing that can get in the way of it. Because when somebody says, oh, that's not who you are, that's not really you, that's not your identity, you say, you're telling me what my identity is. This is, I know it, I don't know it here, I know it from inside, from a place of, of knowing beyond knowing. I know it because that's who I, because I am it. So when the Greeks came to the Jews and the Greeks said to the Jew, or the, the Syrians that were following Greek philosophy, when they said to the Jew, look, Hey Drew, you got to be a little bit different. You got to give up on your essential core beliefs. The Jew said, "Good morning." The Jew said, "I." <laughs> the Jews were very, the Jews were very polite, even as they were battling the, the Syrian Greeks in the story of Hanukkah. They were extremely polite. The Greeks said, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And the Jew said, "Good morning." That's number one, and then number two is. Don't, you cannot tell us how to live, not how to live. You cannot tell us about our identity because we know our identity from a place beyond knowing from an essential place. But as I was talking about this last week, I sensed that we were still missing a little bit. A little bit of what they call in Hebrew, Havana. Havana, not Havana. That's, that's another... That's a different place. But a little bit of understanding. Here, pass this around. But a little bit of understanding in this whole process. And so I thought to myself, we need to really give a solid example. Pass these down, please. A solid example of what this means. And so here is one analogy that I came up with, or one real-life example that I came up with. I'm going to pose the question, and I want you guys to answer. Give me your thoughts. question on the table is as follows. 
What are some reasons why a person will decide? Two, what are the reasons that a person will begin eating healthier and exercising more? Give me a few reasons. Okay, good. Give me some more reasons. They have a health crisis. They have a health crisis. Okay, give me something else. Somebody they know has a health crisis. A health crisis. I want to keep on doing what I'm doing. Want to keep on doing what I'm doing. But why? Bless you. Why? To feel better. To feel better. Well, because I matter. And because some of the things that I do don't matter at all. But some of the things that I do matter. Actually make a difference. They make a difference, yeah. Okay, good. What else? Some other reasons. I'm healthier and it makes me more available to be able to... Okay, good, good, good. I need to be alive, so I need to be healthy, and so I need to, I need to take care of myself. What other reasons? You guys are going deep reasons. Give me some more superficial reasons. Oh, okay, good. So somebody else. Right, somebody else. So somebody else wants you to do, some, wants you to do this, and so you're going to do it because somebody else is, okay, good. Be more attractive to somebody else. Okay, good. What else? I'm going to an event and I want to fit into my ensemble. Exactly, ensemble. <laughs> That's great. The Oscars are coming up. You've got to walk the red carpet. Got to make sure the tiara fits. Exactly. Okay, so these are all various reasons. Okay, so I. So this is the way that I was thinking about it. And whether or not it's reflected in, in your responses is another question. But that, this is the way I was thinking about it. I came up with three categories of responses to this question. Why a person would suddenly start... I know you said, Cece, you mentioned continuing, right? Why a person would, let's say, start eating healthier and exercising more. Number one, because I decided that this makes sense to eat healthy and to exercise more. I decided it makes sense. It's a good thing to do. I'm weighing the pros and cons of non-healthy eating versus healthy eating and non-exercising versus exercising. And it makes sense that exercising is the better choice. So this could be a reason why a person takes a New Year's resolution December 31st or whatever, January 1st or January 2nd, whatever, a person says, you know what, this year... I'm going to eat healthier, I'm going to exercise more, I'm buying a gym membership. Why? Because I know that this makes more sense. This is a good way of living, right? This is a healthy way of living. This is good stuff. This is a, good, this is a very wise choice. Does it make sense to do this? Absolutely. I haven't been doing this, or I haven't been consistent about doing this, but this year, in 2014, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, because it makes sense, and it's the right thing to do. That's one, with me so far? That's one experience. Another experience is somebody that you love tells you you need to do this. Somebody says, look, you got you to do this. Do it for me, somebody says. Do it for me. Even though maybe you are lazy, you don't want to do it, but somebody says, do it for me, because it's important, that, it's important to me that you do this, that you eat healthy, and that you exercise. So you say, you know what? Whether I get it, or I appreciate it myself, or I understand it, I don't know, but I'm going to do it because 
you want me to do it. In other words, I understand that it's important to do what you want me to do. That's the second experience. Maybe it's less frequent than the first experience. But is that, good morning, is that a second experience? Yes? Yes? But I'll ask you this question. See, the flip side is, why is it that, okay, because you feel better. I would put that in the first category. Because it feels, you feel better, and it makes sense that you want to feel better. But then there's a third scenario, and the third scenario was actually mentioned, I think, first. The third scenario is that you go in for a physical, and the doctor tells you, this is not good. This is not good. If you continue to eat the way you're eating, and to engage in the same level of physical activity that you're engaging in, it's not good. There's this problem and that problem and the other problem. And you have to radically change your diet. Radically change your mobility. Your physical regimen. Radically change. Or else, could be the end. Okay, so the first reaction is fear. But fear just makes you afraid. What is compelling the action? The desire to live. Because you realize, not you realize, because from a place beyond understanding, what you know is that you want to live. And you don't want to give up on life. You don't want to cease living. You want to live. And if living means I have to radically change the way I eat and the way I move, then I'm going to do that. Because I want to live beyond everything else. Which, which catalyst will produce a more lasting resolution? Does that question make sense? In other words, I'm, I bought a gym membership and I'm going to Whole Foods now for one of these three reasons. Which one will last longer? Which has a more likelihood of lasting longer? Which will more likely last longer? When I do it because, well, it makes sense and I feel healthier when I do it. When I do it because somebody asked me to do it, it's very important to them. So I said, well, I don't, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't have done it for myself, but the other one wants me to do it, so I'm going to do it for them. Or when it's self-preservation. Which is going to last the longest? Right? You're not going to stop. You're not going to go back to your old eating habits because you know that that's, that's suicide. You would hope so. You would hope so. Right. Okay, so that's why I said, which is a likelier shot of, of sustaining, of being sustained? Self-preservation. The question is why? Because you like yourself. Because you're afraid of dying. You're afraid of dying, so you have the fear element again. So I want to use a little bit different terminology. We're also going to bring in the animal soon. But you'll see how we do it. Here's one way of, of, of understanding the distinction between the different ways of... the different impetuses, if you will. When I decide that it makes sense to start... You know, in 2014, it's a new year... 
let me do this for myself. Let me, let me eat healthier. Let me, let me exercise more. This is all good stuff. It makes sense. I know that, I know that it's good. So I want to do it. You know what the problem with that is? The problem is I know lots of other stuff are also good. I know that exercise is good. I know that eating healthy is good. I also know that pizza is good. I also know that a burger is good. I also know that, a, right? I also know that sitting on the couch and watching, watching the Olympics, watching Sochi, watching that fifth snowflake ring not open up, yeah. apparently, I know that that's also enjoyable. Do we say enjoyable? Was that, the, was that the word that we were using? Good. Good. I know that this is also good. Because it feels good. So eating healthy feels good. Exercising feels good. Eating unhealthy feels good. And not exercising feels good. Guess what? That's why New Year's resolutions of eating better and of exercising more 92% of the time fail. 8% of New Year's resolutions are kept. 92% of the time it fails. Why? Because if you know that it's good, you have, comp- you have competition from what you know to what you know. I know that it's good, but I know that that's also good. I know that this is good. I know that it's diametric opponent. I know that the thing diametrically opposed to it is also good. So now what? Stalemate. What's good and good for me <coughs> seems to be two different things. Like, see, sitting on a... Are you telling me that a, that a piece of pizza is not good for me? Yes. Are you telling me that it, are you telling me it's not good for me? I'll tell you it's good for me. It's good for it's good to me. I love it. <laughs> good. Go reason. Good. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. But go reason. How are you going to reason? Because one's good for you and one is... What's sort of beyond your... I'll ask you... So let's start from another place. Why is it that most New Year's resolutions fail? Because the resolution doesn't ultimately... You think it's good for you, but it doesn't... It's, it's, it's very simple. It's very simple. Because we, have, we all have things that we know are good. Whether it's good or good for you or good to you or good with you or good, or good against you. Whatever it is. It's good. Lots of things that we like. Forget good. We like. I like exercising. I like eating healthy. I like not exercising. I like not eating healthy. So if, if I live life based on what I like, if I, sorry, if I make the choice based on what I like, I'm going to have competition. I really would like this year to eat healthier and to exercise. Until a week later, when I really like to eat a piece of pizza. So what happened to the like? Could be. But then what if I decide to stop that? See, here's the thing. Here's the point. The point is that if it's based on what I understand and it's based on what I appreciate as good or what I like, there's going to be competition. 
There's going to be an opponent. There's going to be competition. Healthy eating and exercise does not have the exclusive domain of that which is good and that which I like. I like stuff that's not healthy also. It's not the only game in town, that's the point. Now, when it comes to me doing something on the next level, when it comes to me doing something that I... You gave the right to the kids? Were they the David kids? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. When it comes to... Do me a favor. Only good stuff. You spoke to him? Yes. Okay. He just called me. What? He just called me. He just called me. Yeah. But you already spoke to him? I spoke to him, but you need to call him back. I think he was a little like, who are you and all this stuff. Okay. I explained. All right. So if I gave you the call again, it wouldn't help. He probably wants to directly hear from you. Right. This is a live listen-in. This is great. This is breaking news, folks. This is like live at Sochi. This is anything could happen. We're going to get back to this thought in just a moment. Okay, didn't answer. Okay, so getting back to this idea. When you're dealing with logic, when you're dealing with the mind, what your mind tells you is good or not good. Second. Hey, Ken. No worries. Yeah, yeah, they made it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Ed, Ed brought him over. It's all good. Not a problem. All right. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. It's all good. Here's the thing. When it comes to the mind's decision... The mind says, I know that this is good. Exercise is good. Eating healthy is good. The problem is there's competition. Good doesn't have, there's no exclusive on good. The way you understand it. I can understand that things that are not healthy are also good. Only one time. I'm just going to cheat a little bit. It's not going to show up on my permanent record. My doctor will never, oh no, sorry, let me cancel that example. I'll never know. I'll convince myself it didn't happen. Why? Because this feels good. There's competition when it comes to what I define as good. Second level. Second level we said is where it's not that you know that it's good, but somebody else tells you that it's good. So you say, you know what? I'm going to defer to somebody else. Somebody else is telling me that it's good. I'm going to defer to somebody else. You know what? Deferring to somebody else, but you not really believing in it, It's also going to have its limitations how long it lasts. You'll only do it up to a certain point. And past a certain point, you're going to say, you know what? Let me do this. Let me do what I want to do with all due respect. Kalakavod, thank you very much for your opinion. I respect your opinion. And I'm going to to do this for you up to a certain point. But I'm not going to really give it my all or really see it through necessarily. Because at the end of the day, I am suspending my... I haven't accepted it. All I've accepted is accepting what you want or that that I don't have all the answers myself or whatever, but it's not really 
It's not really me. I'm really not present. You see, in the first example, also I'm not really present. Why am I not really... If you're interested in self-preservation and you know it's bad for you... So here's the thing. The third... Well, that's the third... Well, let's get to the third level in a second. But let me... The third level is going to be the one that actually is sustainable. But, but before we get there, let's just understand this. When I decide, you know what? 2014, let me eat healthier. Let's do that this year. It makes sense. Okay. Problem is, as I said before, lots of things make sense. And what I'm really doing is I'm living by a logical decision. And there are lots of other logical, quote-unquote logical decisions or that I can convince myself are logical that go completely opposite to that. So there's going to be... You're, you're, you're starting off... Doing something that has an adversary built in. There's competition. It's going to hit a road. You're going to hit a roadblock. The moment it's snowing outside and it's like, oh well, I can't run today. Oh well, I'm just going to skip my exercise today. Any popcorn, because might as well take the day off totally, right? That the reason why that can happen is because a logical decision is only as strong as the logic that compelled it. And if the logic says, well, today doesn't count, we're going to throw a mulligan in there, blah, 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 then I can convince myself that it's not so bad, I'm going to do it anyway, I'll get away with it, etc. Or if it's because I'm suspending, why? Because I am not invested in the choice. I let my mind do the choosing, my mind can make a different choice, and it comes with a different outcome. And before you know it, my resolution is broken. When I'm not present in the decision either because I've suspended my way of thinking to accept what somebody else wants, I'm also not present. When am I present? In the third scenario. And I don't want to focus on the fear element because that's only one way of achieving it. But when I know, from a place beyond knowing, that's the key line. Not that I know logically. But I know from deep down, I know that I am unhealthy. My doctor said, we don't, we don't want to give an eye in hara, which is the evil eye, so we don't want to speak about any particular person, certainly not myself. So if somebody says that their doctor told them, you are dying, you are unhealthy, your heart looks like this, your cholesterol looks like that, your this looks like this, this, this test, that test, the other. So yes, there's fear, but there's something else beyond fear. You might call it self-preservation. What I would call it is asserting life. I want to live. I don't want to die. I want to live. And to live, I know I have to change. My eating habits have to change. My exercise regimen, these things have to change in order to live. In order for me to live. That resolution will have much longer staying power than the other. The reason is because I know from a place beyond knowing that this is what needs to be done for me. Not because you want it. Not because it makes sense. It does make sense. And you also want it. But that's not why I'm doing it. That's not why it's going to last. So goes on. That's not why it's going to last. It's going to last because it's being driven by the deepest part of who I am, by the deepest part of my identity. It's being driven by my desire to live. There's nothing deeper than that. My desire to live 
and therefore it expresses itself in action, the most... Fur- we said when you live authentically, when you're living with your essence, when you're in touch with your very being, it expresses itself on every dimension. One of the qualities of essence, essence floats, sorry, essence is synonymous with oil. Oil floats on the one hand. On the other hand, oil permeates everything it comes in contact with. You ever get an oil stain on a garment? It saturates. It goes right in. It penetrates. It saturates. It gets right in there. Same thing is true with the essence of who we are, with the inner oil, that inner cruise of oil. And we're not talking about now from a spiritual sense, but from a very practical, pragmatic, biological sense is your desire to live is the core of who you are. Your desire to be successful, your desire to paint, your desire to go to a concert, your desire... All of that are secondary. All of that is outside your core. Your core, first and foremost, wants to live. Wants to exist and wants to live. And when you know that an obstacle to that living is your eating habit, and it's, it's your, your lack of exercise, that will change. And even when it's snowing, you're going to say, I don't want to die. And maybe that sounds like fear, but let's flip it around. I want to live. So I'm going to run today. I'll run around my house. I'll run through the snow. I'm not going to eat the popcorn. Why? Because I want to live. And I know that this is living. This is, for me to live, this is what has to happen. So why is it that the other resolutions don't have lasting power. For the simple, for the simple, based on the simple premise. That we all know that eating healthy and exercise will logically make us live longer. So why don't we always, why doesn't, the re, why don't the resolutions of level one and level two, why don't they also have staying power? Because deep down we also know that, what's the answer? Because we're not always t- in touch with what we know deep down. We're in touch with here. And here says, let me take a resolution today. And tomorrow it says, let me eat an ice cream cone. Because this is not this. And it's not, in spa- it's not spatial, but it's the best I can do to try to demonstrate it. When you, you know deep down that eating healthy and exercising equals life. At least to the best that we can suppose. You know, things are out of our control. But to the best that we can control, that equals life. So why don't all the resolutions last for the whole year and forever? The simple answer is because our heads get in the way. Because there's opposition. Because today I say, that makes sense. Tomorrow I say, well, that makes sense. But when I'm in touch with my core, which is, in this example, life itself, when I'm actually in touch with that, then, this, then, the, then it, that decision will permeate every element, every level of my being, to the point that in a very practical, my heel is going to get up, go to the gym, even in the snow, even in the rain, even in the cold, even at 6 o'clock in the morning, to do what I know I need to do to live. From a place beyond knowing. I'm still thinking there needs to be meaning in there. There needs needs to be a reason why I still 
at my age choose to go ahead and exercise in curves at least three times a week and it's boring. Wait a second. Are you saying you need a reason to live or you need a reason to exercise? No, I'm saying that the reason to live, there has to be a meaning within the living for me to choose to go to the curves at least three times a week. I understand what you're saying. You're saying... To never eat bagels. So you... (laughs) (laughs) I love bread. That's great. That's great. Okay, so 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 just to make sure I understand what you're saying, what you're saying is that... I'm, I'm supposing that the essential desire to live is strong enough. And you're saying, well, give me a reason why I want to live. Well, I, I'm thinking of Frankel's uh, book, Man's Search for Meaning. We need a why. We need a why. Good. I think what, where I'm coming from is a place assuming that you have a why. Okay. A deep okay. why. Okay. An essential why. Okay. A why that you may not be able to articulate, but you know, first and foremost, I want to live. I don't want to die. Let's assume that we're there. Right, my essence wants to live, my essence doesn't want to die, it wants to do it, what it needs to do, etc. Now I know that the obstacle to that is my health, right, right, my health and my eating habits or my exercise. So that will not get in the way because that, the ice cream, as good as I know logically it is, wow, that would be really good. As good as I know that's, that is, that can't stand in the way of living because living is way more powerful than an ice cream cone or, or, or a piece of pizza. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I've read it, but I, it's, it rings a bell. And, and basically, that, that's the whole essence. Is, it's a daily decision. It's like, you don't pray and meditate once a week. It's a daily reprieve. And so, it's like, cause I think we can get where we, we can get distracted. We can get into, you know, our animal soul takes over and we do these things. But that's part because once we accept the fact that we're addicts to something then we can choose what we're going to be addicted to and you can do it on a daily basis and if you start off with getting a, con- a contact you know not contact high or whatever no just, you know God and, and just whatever that means to you and, and that's I think where, that's why I see where you're leading to at least for me that begin to And you're more likely, and my, and my argument today is that you're more likely to see it through and to be consistent in it when you feel that it's coming from, when you feel like it's not a choice that I'm making, it's a choice that I couldn't make otherwise. In other words, I couldn't not choose because it's who I am. Because I'm choosing to express my authentic self. In other words, when I choose, here's the deal. That that's actually helps clarify, I think, the issue. When I, okay, sure. Yeah, how many healthy? Like, I'm in 80s healthy, but I like to, but I'll be better today. And, and, you know, and 
then I can grow on that. But if I, but I can't like say that there's like a, a, a magic potion or a magic, you know, wand to poof me into a certain place. I mean, that channel's over. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy to do that. Here's the point. When I choose to live healthier because it makes sense, no, there's not from a place of, of, of essence. I don't know that I'm going to say anything radical I didn't say before, but it's, it's, it, there are other stuff that can get in the way. When I choose to, exp- when, when this is part of the expression of who I am deep inside, it's more likely to, to have staying power, less likely to have opposition. Marty. The Jewish angle on this? Yeah, about the... Yeah. Oh, okay. Superficial. There's a superficial, which is behavior. Yeah. And then there's the essence. So, if you eat well, and you exercise, that's... might be... An, that's superficial. That's the expression. The question is, that ex- what is it expressing? And that's really what it comes down to. What is it expressing? Is it expressing an intellectual decision that you made? Because if that's what it's expressing, you'll make a different decision tomorrow. If it's expressing who you are, you're not going to be a different you tomorrow. And if you're going to be a different you tomorrow, then that means the you that you were today was not the real you. Because the real you doesn't change. The real essence is that which is unchanging. By definition, etzem lo nishnane, lo mishtane. At the essence does not change. Look at you for the, for the grammar. <laughs> huh? The essence, the core essence, doesn't change. If something about you or about somebody changes, you know one thing. That wasn't their essence. It was something else. It might have been deep. It might have been meaningful. It might have been impressive. It might have been horrible. It wasn't the essence. The essence doesn't change. Change Essence, by definition, the way it's explained in Kabbalah, the essence doesn't change. That's what makes it essence as opposed to everything else. So here's the deal. If your behavior is an expression of a decision that you made, it could change. It's not impervious to change, it's pervious. Pervious sounds wrong. That sounds really... huh? Susceptible, that's even better. Susceptible to change. If your authentic self, your essence, is driving the expression, nothing's going to change. We're going to bring it back to the Jewish angle on this in a second. And hopefully it's going to make sense. So, you're, you're essentially also talking about the, the, the true nature of learning. So when we, if you had an experience where you go, you're in a school and everything is, you know, the teacher says and you memorize it and you spit it back, you're not learning that. You're just, you're just reacting to that. But if you connect, if in your teaching you're first starting and you connect with um, what you understand, what you know, what your own experience is, and you make that connection between something new, it, I mean, it's called also different things, zone of proximal development, or, you know, but, but essentially... You're putting yourself in the you experience. Are, you're connecting that. So that's the learning that's enduring. That's true learning. And the rest of it is just memorization. So in a sense, what you're saying, I think, is that it's similar, is that 
if you're just doing what you're doing because you're responding to outside pressure. Oh, everyone else is buying gym memberships. Let me buy it. Or I saw that commercial and that person looks good. Or that movie. Let me also look like that if you're Then it's not enduring. But if it comes from your... Deeper than knowing. Then it is truly, it's truly yours. It's truly. And I think mortality, for most people, the desire to live is a very core essential desire. You can't necessarily explain it. You ask somebody, why do you want to live? Because how do you not want to live? Right. I mean, that's that's like the core essence of everything. Once survival, the survival instinct. Right. Now, I want to posit that that's not just an animal instinct, right? There's a little bit, it's more, it's a deeper, it's, it's embedded in the very reality of life is the desire to live. And that's why when the doctor says, oh, you want to live, you want to live, oh, that's another story. You got to eat different, you got to exercise more. Now it's like, well, wait a second, my life, self-preservation equals doing these things? Heck yeah, I'm doing that. I'm not not doing... How can I not do that? I can't understand not living. I want to live. And living therefore... So therefore, what's the bottom line? Bottom line is eating healthier. When I go to the shop and I buy the healthy food and I prepare the healthy food and I eat the healthy food, it's not being driven by here. It's not being driven by an intellectual, a mental decision. It's being driven by an essential core truth. I want to live. Make sense? So that okay. Let's bring it let's 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 connect it with it on a Jewish on a Jewish level. What does it mean Jewishly? What does it mean Jewishly? The story of Hanukkah is, as we said many times, the story of Hanukkah is that the Syrian Greeks came to the Jewish people and they said, you have to give up your core definition of what it means to be a Jew. Because that's so old-fashioned. You guys are, you guys are totally, you, you believe in, in one God and you believe in this the God being a relevant God and a practical God and a God that communicates with you, but a God that still remains above and within and a God that you have to sort of um, surrender yourself to completely. The, Greek, the, the Syrian Greek said, this doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. You need to change your core identity. Be more rational. Be more... And we said that the response of the Jew was or a response at least to the Maccabees, their response was, you can't rip away our core identity. This is who we are as Jews. It wasn't, into, an, it wasn't an intellectual response saying, oh wait, no, I disagree. Our philosophy, our theology, our ideology makes more sense than yours. It was, this is our identity. You can't rip it away. As we explained the many... Almost every week we say, I give the same example. When throughout history, the, the tyrant or whoever it was came to the Jew and said, you have to give up your core identity. Give up your Jewishness. Or be killed. And the Jew said, I can't give up my core identity. 
It wasn't an intellectual decision of, well, weighing the pros and cons, it makes sense. You know why? Because that decision doesn't make sense. It makes much more sense to live another day, logically. You know why you make that choice the other way? Where you say, I'm staying who I am and, and take my life if you want. You only make that choice if you can't not make that choice. You only make that choice when there's no other choice to be made. You only make that choice when you could not live otherwise. Because you're choosing to assert your true identity. And you say, what is my true identity? I'm a Jew and I have a unique Jewish connection. I'm not going to give that up. I, not I'm not going to give that up. I can't give that up. How can I give that up? How can I give up the essence of who I am? When a person is in, is, is, is in touch with that reality, much like when a person is in touch with their desire to live, when a person is in touch with that reality, what happens is, what follows is, that there's nothing that can get in the way. You disagree? Well, yeah, I'm having trouble with <clears throat> poor identity and will to live. Living is maybe just a manifestation or a... Um, it's not part of your core identity, who you are. It's based on emotion than saying the will to live is? Yeah. So forget about that. That was only the example. That was only the setup. Now we're actually hitting the, hitting the meat and potatoes. We're talking about spiritual, core spiritual identity now. Forget about the will to live. Core spiritual identity. So a person will go through life and not be so in touch with their core spiritual identity. On a very practical level, a person will say, I don't see how putting up a mezuzah on my door is absolutely essential to my living. I don't see it. I'll be very fine without a mezuzah on my door. I'm not going to live, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow. Like, what's going to happen? I don't see it as part of my... It's not an essential... How is it essential? If, I, if it makes sense and I choose to do it, I'll choose to do it. If I don't, I, I don't. So one day I'll think, you know, mezuzah makes sense. It's like God's protection and it sounds cool. It like, looks good. I can find a nice case for it. it it'll, you know spruce things up the next day I'll be like yeah but I don't want to spend the money I'm just too lazy I don't want to do it what are the neighbors going to say whatever so I'll go back and forth it's, it's all here if I can get in touch with that place of core spiritual identity and identify with being Jewish in other words not that I'm choosing intellectually oh maybe putting up a mezuzah makes sense maybe it doesn't make sense but I feel deep inside that what am I truly I am Jewish and putting up a mezuzah is an expression of that Jewishness is essential to being Jewish then there's no question I'm going to put up a mezuzah of course I'm going to put up a mezuzah because I am Jewish that's my identity and this is what, and this is what, and this is what a Jew does. If my core is life, and I know that living is eating healthy, 
I'll eat healthy to live because that's my core. If I know that my core is my Jewish identity, and I know that my Jewish identity means mezuzah, then I'm going to put up a mezuzah to be, to be consistent with my core identity. So the argument... Are we okay so far? Yeah. Did we get too practical? Did I choose a mitzvah that's not, that's not a good mitzvah? So then, it, then it's emotional. So then, so then, so, so hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. If it's about, if it's about the example, then it's, hold on. So here's, here's the premise. The premise is when we're in touch with our core spiritual identity, and we live from a place of authenticity. In other words, we're not living from here. We're living from inside, from inside who we truly are. So then nothing really can get in the way. And nothing is going to get in the way of me actually doing what I need to do to express who I am. So the Greek comes and says, you can't, uh, you can't observe Rosh Chodesh, the, uh, the new month. That's an easy one, because you don't really have to do much. <laughs> you don't have, No more Jewish calendar. Sorry. Every, every Jew loves a Jewish calendar, especially when they're free. It's like, oh man, I'll take two. Right? It's like Moses and the tablets. He's like, how much for the tablets? Free. I'll take two. <laughs> Terrible. Alright, here's the point. Here's the point. A Jewish calendar. So the Greeks, this is historically true. The Syrian Greeks said, no more Jewish calendar. You got to roll according to the Greek calendar or whatever, they re- whatever the secular calendar was. Whether it's the same that we have today, I have no idea. This is, again, before the Common Era anyway. So this would be, I can imagine those calendars would be minus the year, minus 200. I doubt that that's the way they called themselves. Um, but whatever calendar they had. So here's the point. The Greeks said, no Jewish calendar. When the Jews are being driven by a core sense of identity, authentic living, authentic Jewish living, that this is who we are. We're Jews. And as Jews, we have a Jewish calendar. It's not a question that you're going to still maintain your Jewish calendar. It's not a question. Because you can't give up who you are. If you identify with that Jewish core as being your true identity. So, I have a question. If you, you're giving these examples where you're pressed, where you have this pressure on you. So, we just, you don't know... Hold Judaism aside for a second. You have some affiliations. There's some combination of you don't know why you're drawn to it. You know you're socialized into it. You're it's a, maybe it's essential, whatever. So you could be uh, an American, a Red Sox fan, and Jewish. You know. Right. So if you're gonna, if somebody says your life, you know your life, if you keep wearing this Red Sox T-shirt or keep hanging an American flag on your doorpost or keep a mezuzah. And you don't know until somebody really pushes you on those three, which one is essential. Or you push yourself to really to really dig deep and figure out who you are. Well, so that may be where you're going. So That's you're, a, well, I, you know, the either either or could bring it out. Either somebody says you have to turn into a, a Yankees fan, or else. That's it, and you'd be like, you'd be okay. Whatever. I, the example we gave, the example we gave in in in, in, a, in the JLI class that we did, which is also about about identity, is there are certain identities that we would call a red string identity. There's an example. I told this example before, and we also had in the class last week, the JLI class, about a fellow who is going through an identity crisis, especially when he's in the mikvah. You know what the mikvah is? Mm-hmm. The bathhouse. 
So he's not wearing any clothes. So how does he identify who he is? He doesn't know who he is. So he decides he's going to tie a red string around his big toe. And but so then he looks the, when he looks down and sees the red string, he'll know who, he'll know that this is him. So he's he's happy. Meanwhile, he goes there. He's soaping. He suds in. It loosens up the red string. It flows downstream a little bit, and it gets enwrapped around somebody else's toe. A little while later, he's looking around. He looks down. He doesn't see the, the red string. He's, he's, he panics. He looks. He sees it on somebody else. He goes over to them and says, "Excuse me. I know who you are, but can you tell me who am I?" In other words, if our identity is a red string, if it's I'm a Red Sox fan, I own a car, I, I do this at work, I do that, I'm, I have this career, that career, all those things can come and go. It's just titles that can come and go. So Red Sox fan, Yankees. I don't know if an American is an essential. People I would posit people do die, so that's why that's why that's why it could, that one could go either way. And if you if you were thinking of the Olympics, I mean, if you were the son of a Soviet soldier who died during the Cold War, you know, in some you know sort of cause that you then the whole society later recognizes was pretty you know misguided. Right. You know, you're you've got you got an issue. You you, you got an identity you, crisis. You got an identity here, so I. Right. I was essentially so, you know, my father was... I thought this was who I was. And I, you know, and I was, and then you're like, well, that was a waste. You know, uh, he died for something that turned out to be pretty silly. So we're positing... Or worse than silly. Right. So we're positing here in this, in this Kabbalistic discourse, not surprisingly, by the way, since it's Jewish mysticism, and speaks about the soul, that what is, what is our core identity? It's our spiritual identity. And our Jewish soul. And that's it. And so, there, and so therefore what? So therefore, when it come, whenever I come in contact with that, because typically I'm not in contact with that, typically I'm in contact with my Americanism, my work, my house, my neighborhood, my shop, my favorite store to shop in. I'm, I typically, so, hey, who are you? What do you do? That may not come up my Jewish soul or my core spirit, whatever, or whatever my core spiritual identity is. That may not come up the first thing in conversation. It's not pressed. Why? Because, or just because we don't live from essence. You know, again, the, the, a, a relevant example I can give, again, is parenting. Because when our kids are born, we all love our kids, and we say, I'll do anything for my child. And then give it a few years. And before you know it, you're telling your kid, wait, I'm working. Wait, I'm busy. Come back to me in an hour. Come back to me in five minutes. In other words, we start pushing off the kid because the kid is not first priority. So what happened? They were first priority, now they're not first priority. When you were in touch with truth, you knew that they were first priority. And it's very hard to live from that, from that deep place. It's extremely hard. You don't agree. But the, in the parenting, there is part of parenting is that pushing, right? That I'm not talking about healthy. I'm not talking about healthy pushing. I'm talking about. Back, I'm, ta- I'm ta- straight up. I'm talking about. I got to work to make more money. Why? Because I've convinced myself that I need more money. Even though, do I really need more money? Yeah, but what happens if this and that? I need money. What happens when the rainy days happen? Okay, so all of this is an elaborate Ponzi scheme in my brain. To keep this to keep this going, but I've convinced myself that I need to work an extra two hours and not deal with my kids because it's good for them in the long run. Whatever, I can make that decision when I'm not living from from a core place. I can make a decision to be less than faithful on my spouse 
Well, it's this, it's that, it's the other. I was here, I was there, she was there, they were there. When? I'm not in touch with that core. Because when I'm in touch with that core, all the baba mices, all the stories, all the falsities, all the excuses cut away. I can tell myself I'm in a fight with a family member. And then you find out the family member got hit, was in an accident, and is in critical condition, and you go over there. And all the, all the other stuff gets out of the way. So what, what's, what's the point? The point is, typically we don't live from a place of essence. We live outside of the essence. It's very hard to live, it's very hard to get in touch with the core, and it's very hard to stay in touch with the core. Very difficult to live from that place of essence. I mean, typically going through life, we have a, a handful of experience where we can say we really touch truth in the, at that moment. Whether it's the birth of a child, or whether it's the day we got married, or whether it's the day um, you know, we faced a big challenge and, over, and, and were able to overcome it because we tapped into somewhere deep inside. Whatever that is, or the day that we, cho- we made a decision to live when we could have made the other choice. Whatever it is, there's a handful of experiences that we have in life that really gets us full, every part of every fiber of our being in touch with the core of who we are. And his point is, and the point of the text is, when you get in touch with that core, everything else changes. For the moment, maybe a little after the moment, but at least in that moment for sure, everything takes on a different connotation. As somebody who, who knows that they have six months, God forbid, six months to live, you don't think they're going to be a different parent? You don't think they're going to be a different spouse? You don't think they're going to re, reprioritize their life? Of course they would. Of course we would. Why? What, so what changed? What changed? That's it. And I, that's why I want to get away from fear. It's not fear that drives you. It's, live, it's authentic living that drives you. You know that I want to live authentically. I don't want to live a false life. I know that all of the other priorities that I put are all part of living not so truthfully. Because if I was really in touch with, with who I really am, and when I do get in touch with who I really am, I make different decisions. That's why when my doctor says, if you want to live, this is what you need to do. It's not an option anymore. This is what you need to do. I say, I'm doing it. Because I'm now in touch with that authentic place of life and living. So that's just an example. If somebody says, well, that's what my doctor says, I still don't care, so then don't use that example, or don't use that person as an example. My point is, when a person gets in touch with that authentic place, there cannot be an opposition. It's not like you still were able to overcome the challenge. There's no challenge. It's not like, well, you know, I was thinking today, let me just blow off my kids, you know, and... If I'm in touch with that authentic place, it's not going to happen. The same thing is true Jewishly, just to bring it full circle here. And this is really the message that we're saying. Oh, one more point. One more point. Getting back to the health example. Getting back, this is a very important example. Getting back to the doctor and the eating healthy and the exercising. When the doctor tells me, your current eating habits are killing you. It's killing you. It's not not good for you. It's killing you. And if you continue the way you are, you've got six months. Let's just put all the examples together. You've got six months. You know what? Here's your choice. Continue, status quo, and you've got six months. 
Knock yourself out. You want to ramp it up? I'll give you three. Or you can radically change and live forever. Theoretically. But live indefinitely. Till such time... <laughs> till you die. <laughs> right? That's the choice. I want to ask you a question. How are you going to... And let's say... Let's just go to, back to the pizza example. Let's say... What, what is your unhealthy food? Pizza. You love pizza. It's with the this cheese and the that cheese. Whatever. How are you going to look at the pizza now? Say it again. As an enemy. In other words... What's going to happen? What this doesn't this doesn't have to happen. A person could say, "I would still love it, but I know that I can't from a deep place." But more than likely, when you're in touch with the fact that your eating habits, your external habits, if you will, have to change because of something essential, you will typically transform what you want, what you previously loved and desired, into something that you despise, because you know it's an enemy to your core. It's an enemy to your essence. It's now no longer something that's, oh, it's casual, it's fun, it's great. You know now this is your nemesis. This is your kryptonite. So you're not indifferent to it. You're not like, well, kryptonite, yeah, I don't like it. I'm not going to have it today. It's like, this is, this is evil now. It's been transformed. The definition has been transformed. So the way this works spiritually is the same thing. And what, and what is that? And how, how does that work? When I'm in touch with my core identity, and in this example, we're speaking about the Jewish people, this is going to be the core Jewish identity, spiritual core, spiritual essence, spiritual DNA. Right? There's a biological DNA, biological essence, which is the essential desire to live, and then there's a spiritual essence, spiritual core. When I'm in touch with the spiritual core, I'm not goofing off. I'm doing what I need to do. And it's not that I'm choosing to do what I need to do, it's I cannot do what I need to do. Because there's no opposition. There's no opposition to that asserting my authentic self. And then one step further is, that which was previously challenging to me, or temp- that which was my temptation, maybe my Achilles heel, maybe my um, whatever, that which always sunk me spiritually, not only am I not going to succumb to it, I don't even want it anymore. Because I know it's spiritual suicide. That's how far, that's how radically altered my state of being is. Because previously I could justify it. Why? Because I wasn't living from an authentic, because I wasn't living from essence. So it's like, yeah, maybe the, maybe it doesn't make sense to do this, or maybe somebody else told me that it doesn't make sense, but until I own the experience, it's not going to have the same weight. And once I own it, once I know that I have to do this because this is who I am, this is who I am. Not because someone else told me to do it. I don't love God because somebody told me to do it. I love God because that's inside of me. So doing the thing that, that pulls me away from that is no longer an attractive choice. It's no longer even a choice. It's something that is disgusting. It's something that doesn't turn me on. It turns me off. Despicable. It's distasteful. I would never dream of doing it. This is how we transform the animal soul into an ally for the godly soul. This is the transformation that we're going to read about in chapter 7 in a moment. This is the transformation that occurs. How does the transformation occur? 
That looks like fun. How does the transformation occur? It occurs by getting in touch with your authentic place, recognizing that expressing that is your only option, and knowing that anything else that denies who you are is not even attractive anymore. That would be the example of transforming your nemesis. In other words, on a, on a, on a, di- on a dietary level, on a, a biological, physical, getting back to the physical example, it's before I like pizza, now I hate it. I can't look at it. I can't look at it without being disgusted by it. Because I know what it represents is death to me. For me. Not for you, maybe. For me. It's, a, it's so stark that I'm no longer that very element within me. My desire, my, my taste buds, what tasted good, what felt good, what gave me pleasure, the very thing that gave me pleasure is now giving me displeasure. The same thing that said pleasure is now saying displeasure from the same thing. There's a complete transformation. Why? That only happened because I, I radically... Ch- because I got in touch with, my, with, my, with the core as essence and that's coming out. Because otherwise, it doesn't become so distasteful. If I make a decision to exercise and to eat healthy, I suddenly hate pizza. I don't hate pizza. I'm choosing not to do it. But when it's coming from all the way inside like that, because it's life or death, then I can find it distasteful. You're saying that's still, you're saying indifference is even, is even bigger. But I don't know. I see, I think that, that, that self-preservation to stay away from danger doesn't mean that you're attached to it. Like if I see a fire and I'm like, or if I see a snake and I'm like, okay, I don't want to just ignore it. I actually want to walk around it. I don't know that that means I'm attached to it. I understand what you're saying logically. I don't know if viscerally, if it, ha- if it, if it would work the same way. Like if I value my life and I know that this is life-threatening, I don't know that I'm going to just be, I ignore it. I'm going to be like, whoa, I don't like this. I don't like that danger. Like that, that, that offends me. You want to kill me? That actually offends me. You know what? Pizza, you are like, hey, come on, engage in me. You eat me. Be like, that offends me. It offends me that, you're actually, that you want to kill me. It actually, I'm actually offended by the pizza. So I think I understand what you're, I, I, can, I can understand that. But to me, the way I feel it, and I don't know that I'm right, but the way I feel it is that actually being disgusted by it even though that may be a harsh word, but actually being offended by it actually expresses how in touch I am with my life. Like, I, I, I want to live, and I value life, and you represent the opposite of that. I don't like you. I really don't. Like to the pizza. The yeah, yeah. You're getting stuck in an example, and you're you're getting. I know you're giving. I know. I know that. Don't let that derail the concept. 
Don't let don't let the the mezuzah or whatever it is derail the idea. Don't get stuck on the on the. Stick with the with the with the with the the eating example. Whatever example. What is your, what is authentically? What is what is authentic? What is that? What I'm saying? What is that? But what? But what is that? What does it look like? Yeah. What does it feel like? But what? But what does it? What does it say? What does it say? What does it do? What does it? What does it even? And what does that mean? To live, I'm saying, what does it mean just to live a good life and not harm anybody? No. What does it mean? It means to do good, to do what's right. What, what, what's right? What, know, I, 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 I what I think is right, what I feel is right? No. It's what I know is right. What I know is right. Okay. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a specifically Jewish I know that. core. So what I'm... Good, good. So we're on the same page. That is... That, that could be... And he's uh, uh, part of an essential place. What we're talking about in this discourse, which is from a, which is Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, talking about the story of Hanukkah, which is a very Jewish story, and the Maccabees who fought for Judaism and Jewish practice, is right. This is how it's how the whole discussion is framed. So our discussion is about individuals who, when they got in touch with their Jewish with their Jewish essence made the decision that's beyond deciding, knew, felt, could only choose to express that and to live Jewishly. And Jewish calendar, mezuzah, Shabbos, the whole deal. Why? Because the person realized that I'm not doing it for somebody else. I'm not doing it because I'm suspending my belief and just accepting what somebody else said. And I'm not doing it because it makes sense to put up scrolls on my walls. I'm doing it because this is who I am. If and when a person feels that, they'll do it. If we're not there yet, it's understandable because to get there is very difficult. But the, the, the premise is, when, if and when a person feels that that's who I am, I, that is my core, that's my authentic identity. That's essentially who I am. I'm Jewish. When a person gets there, it will necessarily express itself in the ways that we're talking about. To the point that there will not be an opposition, to the point that any opposition is actually distasteful. I'm not talking about, no, 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 we're not talking about anybody, and we're not talking about any experience. What we're talking about is a concept. But how can you, how can you if you want to personalize it and it's working good, if it's derailing, then hold off on that until you let it sit. Don't let it derail, don't... Take it step by step. There's no reason to jump where there's, where there's no net. So you've got, you got to take, you got to integrate step by step. The altar was built on a ramp. Why? So that it's a steady progress, a steady, steady process up. Yeah, the altar. It says you can't. Torah says you cannot build steps up to the altar. Why? Because you're going to expose your, because you shall not expose your nakedness upon the altar. The simple understanding is that Kohen wore a robe, and when you take wide steps on a stairs, it, it, 
even for the altar, you have to have respect and not... But there's another idea. If you try to jump too far, you're going to expose your vulnerability. I.e., you can fall flat on your face when you try to jump too far. So it's, the point is take things step by step, and everybody has to integrate, you know, to their own ability to integrate and to understand it. But the core idea that we're presenting is that there is a... There, what it means to live authentically means to live from the deepest place within. When you're in touch with that, when, whatever that is, Whatever that is. But when you are in touch with that, things will change. Things automatically change. There's no oppos- there can't be any opposition to that. A person hears, you have six months to live if you don't change that. Are they making a decision? Is it like, well, maybe a healthy person, assuming that they're healthy, no one is even making, it's not even a decision anymore. It's of course I'm going to do that. Down to my heel. My heels will get up in the morning and will go akev. I'm going to do it to the heel, to the actual practice. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it in a way where not doing it is impossible. Okay, let's read this inside. Okay, go. Thank you. Um, so the, 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 the place of confusion is in the context of what we were talking about before, what the difference between who you are and what you do. And so where I, when I... The place that I get confused is that if this is your essence, nobody can take that away from you. Correct. And even if you do something that may not represent that, you can do that in a false way because what you're doing doesn't represent who you are. So in other words, if someone says, no, you can't, you can't uh, um, rush Kadosh and so on, it's like, okay, but I do it in my... In my, in my self. I can do it in myself. And you don't see that. So if there is a difference between who we are and what we do, how could that matter? I mean, what, why does it matter that, um, or why would we say, no, I'm not going to do that? Because it's going to take away. Am I making sense? I'm to are, you asking, are you asking, even if we don't express our essence, but that doesn't change our essence? Exactly. That's correct. What I'm, but, but the premise here is that when I'm in touch with my essence, I want to express it. But if it's a matter of survival... Gets closer and closer. Exactly. If it's a matter of survival, if they're saying, you know, if you do this, then we're going to kill you, you could say, okay, I'm going to do this. But then I, but then I ask myself, well, what, but what is my identity? But the identity is inside of you. It doesn't, it should, it, from what I'm understanding, it shouldn't matter what you do. I mean, it's not like it gives you license to go out and kill anybody. No, but I'll ask you a simple question. I'll ask you a simple question. If I identify as a parent, will I not, and that's, let's say that is my core identity, that's the most important thing, will it not follow that I should parent? Or say, I'm a parent, even if, I'm a, even if I'm, I neglect my kids and I leave them, doesn't matter, I'm still a parent. But if I'm in touch with that, that's true. But if the more I'm in touch with that, the more I will typically act in that way. Yeah, I think that example I, it feels like it's a little different because that's another life is involved. And in this case, it's not necessarily it's some it's them, you know, the Syrians saying if you don't do this, go, go so go to the example of go to the go to the health example that I gave. That's you. I value life. I know my life is at risk if I keep on eating. But you know what? I value life, and life is good essentially. I don't need to do what I need to do. You're saying it doesn't follow? 
No, I think because I'm thinking of that identity as an essence of who you are. And but in the, in, in, the, in the health example, life... So what if you chose, you got six months if you keep eating pizza and you think, okay, let's go to the pizza party and say, I'm going to enjoy the next six months. Does that mean you're not choosing life? Um, or is it, I mean, you're kind of a, it, uh, I guess what I'm getting from you too is if you gave up the calendar, but when you, but that's that's not the point. The point is not going that way. The point is when you're in touch with your core identity, you will more than likely. The point is when you get in touch with your authentic self, it will drive you to the core. Not when you understand that you have a core identity. Because you can understand that you have a core identity and then convince, and tell yourself that I still have my core identity and not express it. So because that's not getting in touch with your core identity. That's not feeling it. That's understanding it. So that there has to be then a connection between the essence and the way that you manifest that. Not that there has to be, but there automatically will be. This is what he's saying. When you hit that essence button, it's going to express itself. It's going to express itself. And that's a good thing. Assuming that the essence is good, for sure. Yeah. I think that the, one of the examples that keeps coming to mind, and I, I, I apologize for this, is that, um, you know, which we're talking about choices, that, you know, you have, you know, God forbid, you have six months to live. However, if you want, if you, we might be able to extend that if you um, will have chemotherapy, which is going to make you very sick, and you go through all of these things. And in that process, you know, it might extend your life a certain point, but the quality of your, of your life is going to be quite um, poor. And so you have a choice between doing that and potentially living longer and having those six months of quality time with, with your family. That's what keeps coming to mind. And sort of thinking I mean, that's, that's a valid question. I don't, know that it, I don't know that it relates to what we're talking about, though. I, that's a question, but I don't... I don't it's, what we're talking about here is when you are, a very simple point, when you are in touch with the deepest point of who you are, and you, you recognize, well, this is who I am, that's the way you're going to live. Why, you're not going to hide that. You're not going to conceal that. You're not going to be like, well, this is... Do you find your spark? Have you found your spark then? What do you call spark? You call whatever you want. Because it's always difficult to reach the core of anything. That's the way God set it up. It's always difficult to get to core. I mean, how often are we in touch with the core of who we are? 
it's very, as I said, it's very seldom that we're in touch with the core. Yeah, and, and again, I think there's a, a distinction between knowing that we have a core and actually being in touch with it. Like, you can know that you have a core and you have a soul and know the concept of someone having six months to live. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about knowing the concept of it. We're talking about actually, be, actually being in that space. And what he's saying is when you are in that space, things will change. When I loved, this, this is what I say, I, I think we all, I, I think most of us have experiences in our lives that we can sense that this was true, that something happened, that we got in touch with something deeper, and therefore something did shift in our behavior. And it wasn't like, well, this is deeper, but it's okay if it stays deeper. I think these things trigger, typically, when people find that they have six months to live, they reorganize their priorities. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the highest form of choice. Because you don't need to. No, 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 highest for, free choice is a misnomer. What's the... Is we turn left or right or go toward God. Free choice, the fact that you can choose this or that, that's silly. That's not a gift. Why is that a gift? That's silly. Sort of like the choosing to eat right or You have the ability in your brain to flip a coin. Thank God God gave that to us. That's not, that's not impressive. Why is that impressive? You know what free choice is? The ability to choose to be authentic. Even when you may not feel like it. That's what free choice is about. Free choice is, is the ability to, to assert who you are. It's not the ability to, to... That's the gift of free choice. Free choice is to feel the, uh, the opposite or to, to know that there's, that there's an opposite option but to choose to assert who you are. That's the deepest form of free choice. It makes you free, but it's also you choosing. Otherwise, who's choosing? Your mind? A flip of the coin? It's you who's choosing. And when you choose, you couldn't have chosen anything else. Because how many yous are there? There's only one you. There's only one choice. Oh, but then you're limiting me. How many yous are there? Huh? Who is the you? Who you? That and that's the point. When you hit, and we keep on redefining ourselves through life, but no matter how many times we go through that process, there's still only one essence. And until we get there, the answers can change. But when you get there, there's only going to be one answer. And that's his point. That when you get there, there's only going to be one answer. We didn't really read inside today and get, <laughs> get what I'm about. Big stuff. Well, we've already had two people leave on me, so. <laughs> Although one person told me beforehand that she's leaving, but anyway. No, I'm just fooling around. I'm fooling around. Yeah. There's, I, I keep thinking there's, there's a place where if you're starting with the core, this is internal. Yeah. This is where there's a place within us where I make choices. Um, and I want to put it on, 
You're saying that's as, and that's and that is the core. That's not the core. No, no. Uh, the, the core is going to determine how I make a choice. And let me use a kind of a different example. I have a problem still that started when I was a little kid in an unhappy situation situations where my mind. We call it the monkey mind, the gerbil on the wheel, the stinking thinking, however you want to call it. This can cause us, if we choose to play into that, and I still do, I'm 77 years old, I've been at this for over 40 years, and I will still, if I don't catch myself, now, I'm never going to hate Red Lobster's Cheese Biscuits. However, what I do hate is these thoughts that will recur if before I even realize it, they come back. Talking about negative stuff. Negative stuff. Really damaging stuff to me. That is a, a lot more damaging than the couple of times a year I go with my family and eat red lobster cheese biscuits. There is a place in there where using the examples of food, I think, kind of messes with it. Mm -hmm. Now, the mezuzah on the door, I think, comes out of a different place, of the choice of, I'm going to put the mezuzah on my front door. So anybody who comes to my door is going to see that. And that's going to be my identity. They're going to immediately say, oh, she's Jewish. Actually, I'm not. And I'm choosing at this age not to convert, but there is a place within this that comes, I think, more from Kofmamida Bina Dot. When we get down into the emotions, that's where stuff can stir up, and that's where my crazy stuff stirs up still. So I think look, I think we can I think most of us can agree to this. That when a decision is being made by the mind the mind can make many decisions. It can make one decision. It can make an opposing decision. But when our essence is choosing, there's no choice. You can't, you can't make any other decision. So bringing this back to the Jewish context, which is what he's talking about. When the Maccabees chose in the story of Hanukkah to assert their Jewishness, to define that as their core identity, it affected them through and through. It affected them from the head to the heart to the heels. There was nothing, three H's, look at that, no, yeah, head, heart, heel, it affected them all the way through, they couldn't not express who they were, because they were touched at the core, the Greeks said, you know what, I hope you don't mind, but we're going to rip away your core identity, and the Maccabees said, oh really, now that you mention it, this is our core identity, now, this is the way, this is the way we're going to be. This is the way, and this is not the way we're going to be. This is the way we are. This is the only way we. This is the only thing we could do. The point is, like this: the more we're in touch with our essence, the more it comes out into everything that we do. The more it changes our lives and on, and on a daily basis. The more mitzvot we're going to do. The more Torah we're going to study. The more good deeds we're going to do. And he says, as I also mentioned, the animal soul itself becomes transformed within. That which previously was trying to convince you to not do something positive or to do something negative is now no longer able to convince you because it's on board as well. And so the essence is the oil. Yeah. It's the essence of the soul. 
It's the oil, if you will, of the, of the, of the human being, of the soul. It's that essential oil. And the nature of oil is, as I said, to permeate everything that it comes in contact with. Which means like this, that the essence is undivisible, the essence is unchanging, the essence is pure, the essence is inside, the essence is, the essence is oftentimes locked away. But when you're in touch with the essence, and when the essence is opened up, if you will, it, it takes everything. Nothing else can, blo- can, can get in its way. And that is why when we are in touch with our desire, our primal desire to live, not our laziness and not the weather will get in the way and not the pizza is going to get in the way and the contrary, I don't want pizza anymore. I don't want it. Why? Because I am living with essence. When I live with spiritual essence or with Jewish essence, it's going to be the same thing. Okay. So that's kind of an overview of chapter 7. Um, although we didn't read it and we're not going to be able to read it today. Next week, let's, let's do this. Let's read it inside. And we're going to see it in the mystical terminology. And we'll also see how in the story of Hanukkah, this exp- sorry, in the practice and how we celebrate Hanukkah, all of these themes will express itself in these areas. So just hear these areas and we're going to read through it next week. Number one, the amount of lights that we light. Eight. This is going to express itself in the amounts. Where we light it, the outside, facing the street. When we light it, at night. And how long we light it. How long it has to stay burning for. All four laws, if you will, or four elements of this mitzvah of lighting the menorah, of lighting the Hanukkah menorah, express this essential theme of what Hanukkah is about. And again, if, if we want to crystallize it, because I know it's, it's a big topic, but if we want to really crystallize it and get, walk away with, with a point, what is Hanukkah? Hanukkah is the ability that each of us have to get in touch with the core of who we are and to live from that place of core. Of, authentic, of authenticity. It's to find that oil inside, the one flask of oil that the Greeks could not find, could not touch, could not tamper with, because no one can tamper with who you are. To find that, to discover, who that, to discover that part of you, and to begin living from that place. And when you live from that place, the darkness is transformed to light, etc., which we'll talk about next week. What's the significance of Next week. Listen, that's, that's, a, that's, another, uh, that's another lesson. All right.